You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. Sometimes it's predictable. You see people in church and like they never really get excited about Christ. It's only a matter of time before Satan plucks them up, takes them out, and destroys them. Jesus had his Judas. Paul had his Demas, who turned his back on the work of God and went back into the world to love it. This could be a leader. This could be a singer. This could be anybody. Someone going through a trial. Someone falling in love with the wrong person. What would it take for you to turn your back on Jesus? Your immediate answer is probably nothing. That's what every believer wants to believe about themselves. But take a moment. Look at our world. Look at people who you thought were sold out, on fire believers and followers of Christ. Some of these people have in fact walked away. Pastor Tom doesn't want to scare you with this today, but instead, he wants you to take a hard look at your faith and allow the Lord to strengthen it. Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of James chapter 5 as he begins his message, Turning Sinners Back to God. The goal of all we do is to produce faith and obedience. That's what we want. We want to believe God, because if you don't believe God, everything you do is just going through the motions. It's legalism. You have to believe God. It's got to be in your heart. You have to believe Christ is true. You have to believe that. And he demands that. And then from that flows obedience. It's pretty simple, isn't it? And what follows? If you do things God's way, not your own way, love, joy, peace, all the fruit of the Spirit that God gives. That's what we're about. There are other organizations. If you don't want to be about that, you can go join one of those organizations. There are organizations that are political. You can go join one of those. There's some that are about making money. Maybe you're already one of those. There are organizations about fighting cancer, a noble cause. I'm certainly not against that, having had cancer myself. Some people fight for other people's rights. This is not what we do here. What we do is we glorify Christ, and we um, point people to the cross of Christ. And we say, come look at this cross. There, God became a man, died on the cross because he loved you. He's bringing you back to God if you let him. But you need to see how much sin offends him. You need to look at Christ, crushed, bleeding, dying. You need to look at that. You need to stare at that. And you need to understand that's God's attitude towards sin. He hates your sin. He will send you and your sin to hell. You better believe it because he already crushed his son. If he's willing to put his son on the cross, you have no chance whatsoever. He will throw you into the eternal, torturous fires of hell. Now, I don't care how badly your rights have been trampled upon. That's going to be the worst. An eternity that you never get out, no one ever speaks up on your behalf, there's no parole, that's it. It's over for you. There's no hope. It'll always be painful. We bring people to the cross so they'll avoid hell. And look at it. The only thing you can do with a cross, with a naked, bleeding, dying Savior, and God says, you're offended by that message? Too bad. Get off your high horse, humble yourself, come to God. That's the only way he accepts. Why is Jesus the only way? Because God wants to humble everybody. You don't come that way, you don't come at all to God. You look at that bleeding, humbled, shamed, helpless Savior, pinned, nailed, roped to a cross with a mocking crown of thorns on him. God let people do that to him so that God would not have to do that to you. That's it. We bring people there. That's what we're about. And once you're brought there, 
then the rest of your life is a thank you. You live obediently, you live righteously. That's what Hope Bible Church is about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? But the sad reality is sometimes people grow up in the church. They go to church, various kinds of churches, our church, Bible churches, Methodist churches, Presbyterian, Lutheran, it doesn't matter. They've been exposed. Grandma brought them into church. And they've listened to the message of the cross of Christ, and they don't want it. They want what they want, and they don't want that. And it's not just true of this church. It's true of every church in every time period that many people listen to that message, and they say, no. Some of the more popular people that are singers and actors, they grew up in Christian homes, and they said, no. They turned away from it. And their life is lived with full indulgence to do whatever it is they want to do. I hope they're having a good time because it won't last for them. And I doubt they're having that great of a time because when they do their drinking and they do their partying and they do their thrills and they do whatever it is they want to do and they're stubborn and they're proud and they're lazy and they're selfish, then comes the judgment of God upon them. And knowing about the cross won't save them. Having sung a few songs won't save them. They walked away from Christ. They walked away from the church. They walked away from the Bible. They put down their Bibles, they shoved their Bibles aside, and they walked away from what they were taught. And that, that is a sad reality. That has happened at Hope Bible Church. I could tell you stories, I won't. People who know better, people who sat there just like you, Bible is exposited. They listen to all the things I said about Greek words or Hebrew words. And they said, nah, forget it. And they walked away. That's true in every church. It's a very sad thing for the leadership. It's a very sad thing for everybody to see that. It's interesting that when we come to the last message from the book of James, yesterday is the last message that James, his heart as a pastor goes to this issue, people who wander away, and he's not really addressing them in the last two verses of James. He's really addressing us and urging us to go after them. So that's what we're going to learn today. Turn to James 5, verses 19 and 20. I'll read them. And you'll notice that there's no command or exhortation. There's just an example. Here are heroes of the faith. And you're going to see them in there. They're rescuers. And uh, hopefully some of you will become what James is talking about here. My brethren, he writes, if any among you strays from the truth, and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. There's no question that this closing text encourages believers in the church to bring wanderers back into the fold. Indeed, like a fireman storming a burning building, and they come out with a child in hand, or a, a person bringing them along, and everyone hails them as a hero. That is the sense in which we should have for those who go after those who have clearly wandered astray and have, in this case, won them 
back. James chose not to conclude this letter with personal greetings. He could have done that. Specific happenings. Here's what's happening in the church of Jerusalem. What's going on in your neck of the words? Like Paul might say in a letter, greet so-and-so, so-and-so greets you. None of that. Really, this sounds like the ending of a sermon, this whole letter, doesn't it? And it's similar to the ending of the letter of 1 John, where the last thing John writes there is, little children, guard yourselves from idols. What a strong conclusion. With all the practical applications of the Christian faith throughout James, we've studied things like, we'll just have a little remembrance here, guarding the tongue, remember that? Responding to trials well and with faith. Avoiding temptation from our own flesh. Not loving the unbelieving world. Being doers of the word, honoring the poor man. Not judging your brother. Praying for one another. Confessing sins to one another. This final note is one both of hope and danger. You hear the danger, hopefully also you hear the hope in it. It says there will be some who resist and ignore and push away God's commandments. The Holy Spirit's wisdom in this letter. We also need to look after their souls. And we'll need to go after them and help deliver them from their own folly. Some, in their weakness, will turn away. They'll go after something they think is out there. And the strong who realize that that's the wrong way to go are going to have to go after the weak and turn them around. The assumption is that there are those in the church whose faith is not yet a saving faith. They come, but they have a dead faith. They have a useless faith. They have a fruitless faith. They must be warned. They must be warned before they fall into utter ruin because that's where their pathway goes. We believers are called upon to be rescue workers, to chase after the wanderers, to bring them back to God's fold. All right, to get this across to us, James is really giving us three groups of people. There are those who stray, there are those who rescue, and then there are those, thankfully, who return. Let's look at each of these. Those who stray in verse 19. Notice it says he's addressing them again as brethren. James is still speaking to the believing church of Jesus. They're the Jews in the diaspora, prominently a Jewish church at this early date in church history. They're meeting in the synagogues, as we learned way back in chapter 2. These are probably mostly outside of Palestine um, in the diaspora. And he addresses them as his brethren, as something which is close to his heart, as he had, has throughout the whole letter. And he's writing about something that's not hypothetical. He says, if any among you strays from the truth, he had seen that. Just like any pastor has been in any church for any length of time, they'll see this. People who stray from the truth, some groups of Christians call them backsliders. You heard that before? They're backsliders. How many of you came from churches where they talked about backsliders? You know this, backsliders. Some of them are called apostates. Some of them are called doubters or the careless and foolish. But this straying is among the professed church, what we call the visible church. The invisible church, the one that God knows are truly saved. The visible church are those who show up, sit down like you and me. We could see one another. It's in the local assembly there. And they've come, but they're not yet saved. They may have thought they're saved. Then they get tested. They wander away and they realize they never really loved God. They love themselves only. In time, everything that's on the inside comes out. That's true of everybody. Their selfishness comes out. Their pride comes out. And it becomes revealed through some test in their life, some temptation, some situation. 
And so James says, any among you. That leaves open a wide possibility. Who knows who may stray? Sometimes it will be very surprising who turns their back on Christ. I remember I had a roommate in college, and he went off to be a missionary for a summer in Egypt to witness to the Muslims, and he came back, and he turned his back on Christ. His experience was not what he wanted it to be, and he decided, I'm not following Christ anymore, and he went back to his drugs. Sometimes it's predictable. You see people in church, and like they never really get excited about Christ. It's only a matter of time before Satan plucks them up, takes them out, and destroys them. Jesus had his Judas Paul had his Demas, who turned his back on the work of God and went back into the world to love it. This could be a leader. This could be a singer. This could be anybody, someone going through a trial, someone falling in love with the wrong person, someone influenced by another religion, someone who wanted to be popular and chose the wrong friends, someone who wanted to be successful in life and chose the wrong job and career. Whatever it is, I like Dr. Hebert, he adds this insight. The statement is a flashing warning light, he says. The frailty of human nature and the strength of the assaults of evil create the standing possibility that one of you may thus succumb. They succumb by straying from the truth. Strays is a pretty common verb, it's a... In Greek, it's planao. Actually, we get our word for planet from this word. The planets kind of move around in a non-fixed order, unlike the stars. So they are wandering across the sky. Well, that means they have no fixed place. They had no root, no anchor. So now their life is, they think they're going after something, but they're aimless. They don't really even necessarily know what they want. The exact term is used in Jesus' parable of the lost sheep. Remember that? Matthew 18, 12. What do you think if any man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray? There it is. Does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go and search for the one that is straying? Now, the term stray might imply in your mind that they didn't know what they were doing. They just kind of just walked away and they didn't realize what was happening. That might happen with a word in English. And we think about sheep, after all, and they're known for nibbling along the edges of places and all of a sudden they look up and they don't know where they are. Maybe sometimes it's like that, but straying is not always inadvertent or casual. Straying starts with people in church. It starts while you're sitting there and turning your mind and your heart off to God. You're already straying in your heart. It's just a matter of time before that becomes physical and is seen. You have to actually work hard at not listening to the Bible. You have to do that. There are people who choose, I am not going to listen to the Bible. I'm not going to let it into my mind. And so they choose that. I hear about all the opportunities for accountability, but I don't have time to be accountable to anybody else. You're choosing to stray. They choose to love themselves. I hear about the opportunities to serve, but what I want to do is... And the cross of Christ speaks of sacrifice. And they turn their back on the cross and they go, that's just not for me. Notice it says they stray from what? Where do they stray from? The truth. When you stray from the truth, where do you go? There's only one place to go. 
It's to a lie. It may be this lie. It may be that lie. It may be that lie. But if you have the truth and you're told the truth and you move away from that, there's only one place you can go. That's into something that's not real. It's a lie. That's what a lie means. It's not real. It's the things that are being promised won't happen to you. You won't get the things that you think you'll get. Um, They won't like you the way you think that you're going to be liked. That money won't do that for you the way you think it will. It's a lie. You had the truth. You turned your back on it. What else do you think you're going to get? Oh, those people in church, they just don't know. Well, then you're going to have to find out the hard way. Apotes aletheos. It's with the article. From the truth. The gospel. The truth of God. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But rather than being free, they'd rather be a slave. They think they're going to freedom. They're going to slavery. John 14, 6, I am the way and the what? The truth. This is the truth of God's word given to us so we would not be fooled, so we would not be prey to Satan and his hordes. Why would anybody stray from the truth? I can see running from a lie. I can see running from slavery. Why would anyone turn their back on truth? What a privilege it is to have truth. Well, they turn their back on truth, and as we said, they go to a lie. God says that he desires truth in the innermost being, Psalm 51, 6, but they don't want truth inside. They want to believe the lie. They start telling themselves a lie. They start believing a lie. And so straying and wandering are very serious departures from truth, and it starts on the inside. In 2 Peter 2.15, it says, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. What makes people go astray? Well, the number one thing, the number one stumbling block for the sheep in church are false teachers and false religions and false prophets. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, see to it that no one misleads you. There it is. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And will mislead many. There's a number one reason. Again, Matthew 24, this time, verse 11. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Talking about the end times, which we're in. Revelation 2.20. I have this against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul says to the Galatian churches, he says, you were running well, who hindered you? The answer is false teachers, legalists. Another thing that leads people astray is bad company, bad friends. Many of you have memorized 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived, what? Bad company corrupts good morals. You choose the wrong friends, the wrong companions, the wrong people to be around. Do you really think you're so strong that you can steer them correctly? If you're not strong on the inside, you're just going to blow with them. Pick the wrong friends on social media too. There's a danger. You can drift just being on social media. They're your friends. They're the ones you're spending time with. They're the ones you're listening to. They're the ones you're conversing with. They'll lead you astray. Pick the wrong job. You're around the wrong people. You'll reap what you sow. You know, your decisions have consequences. You can also be led astray by your own thoughts. You can get lost in your own thoughts. You can isolate yourself from others. You can close your ears to others. You can cut yourself off from life. It's interesting, in Hebrews 3.10, it says, I was angry with this generation, talking about 
an Israelite generation. And I said, they always go astray in their heart, and they did not know my ways. In their mind, in their heart, they're going astray in their thoughts. They're shutting off things, and they're thinking in their own way, and they're just going astray. Letting your thoughts be about yourself or about dreams of the American dream or always wondering, what about me? What do I get out of it? Do I like it or not like it? That's where you're already going astray. We sang, give me one great ambition that I can live for the glory of Christ, really is what it's saying, for His cause. When that's your ambition, you can't go astray. You give your life to Jesus, you say, lead me. You pick up your Bible and you say, change me. And you follow, and you can't go astray that way. Of course, the devil is in the background using all of these different tools to deceive and lead astray. It says in Revelation 20.10, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. They lead them astray. They deceive, they deceive those that are thrown in the lake of fire. The devil leads them astray, then laughs at them when they get the same end as he gets. Everyone who listens to the lies of the devil through the world today ends up where the devil is going to end up, the lake of fire. Worldly allurements also cause people to go astray. That's why James warns so harshly, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is, it makes you an enemy with God? Have you not figured that out yet? When I think of all the electronics, all of the things young people are listening to on YouTube, many of us, I'll put myself in that category, we're a little bit too careless with the things we watch and we, we look at. We think they're benign, that they have no, no effect on us. No, we need to be on our guard. Take out a piece of paper, would you please? I know this sounds like class, but would you take out a piece of paper and get a pen? I'd like you to write down two things, two things that might cause you to go astray. First two things that come to your mind because they're the ones on your conscience. What are two things that you know might cause you to go astray? Think about it, come on, think about it. It may be a person, it may be something that you're gonna be taught, it may be some ambition in your heart. What are two things, write them down right now, just jot it down. We're gonna come back to it, I just want you to write it down right now. Two things that might lead you astray. And hang on to that, and we'll come back to that. You might have been able to write three or four. I want you to pick two. Try to think. What are two things that might lead you away from Christ? Think about that. Now, we're going to go on to the second group of people. And that is a little, a little bit nicer of a group, I think. And they are those who do the rescuing. That's in the last part of verse 19 and the beginning of verse 20. It says, they go astray and then one turns him back. That's joyful. That's a nice verse, isn't it? One, notice this could be anybody. This isn't talking necessarily about the pastor. Any one of you could do that. One turns him, who? The one who went astray, turns them where? Turns them back. So there's a U-turn. They decided to walk away, and someone met them as they were going astray and turned them around and turned them back. The rescuer, not the strayer, not the wanderer, is the one that is being commended here with noble work. He is the one who saves. They're not only watching over their own souls to make sure their own souls don't stray, because that's a possibility, right? And they're guarding themselves from their own temptation, but they're, they're caring about other people, and they see someone else straying, and they go after them and bring them back. Thank God they do that, right? 
thank God there's some people in church like that. They may not be the most popular people. They may not be the most rich people. They may not be the kind of people that you have in your house, but they're some of the most important people in the body of Christ because they're watching out for you and they're willing to be yelled at and they're willing to be unliked to protect you and guard your soul. These are strong people looking out for the weak. Thank the Lord there are people like Pastor Tom was just describing, those people who go after the ones who have walked away from faith. They care deeply about others, and today, you can be one of them. Do you know someone who has stepped out of the church, who's struggling to hold on to faith? If so, call them up. Start a conversation today and help them remember what Jesus has done for them on the cross. With sad yet hope-filled hearts, we want to let you know that Pastor Tom Leake, the voice you've been listening to today, has gone home to be with Jesus. Pastor Tom served the Lord faithfully here on earth for 24 years, pastoring thousands and helping to create a network of like-minded churches in the Mid-Atlantic region. He shared the gospel unashamedly, shining light into this dark world. Pastor Tom will be missed, but we rejoice that he is healed and with his Savior. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Tom and his legacy, visit HopeBible.org. Now, here's a preview of the next edition of Discover Hope. Today's message spent a lot of time looking at the things that could cause you to go astray. But don't lose hope. As Pastor Tom reminded you, there are people who are drawing others back to faith. And next time on Discover Hope, Pastor Tom will continue to lay out who these people are and how you can be part of what they're doing. He'll encourage you as you continue to work on your own heart and faith journey as well. Thanks for tuning in today for Discover Hope. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Tom, visit HopeBibleChurch.org. There's much more to learn from the book of James, so we hope you'll join us again right here on Discover Hope.